Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right. No Ryan today, thankfully. But uh, crazy last week uh, of games. And I, based on our conversation over the weekend, I have a feeling I know where you're starting here. But let's see if I'm right. Well, I are, well, you want me you want me to get into Cristobal, don't you? Yes, I do. Yes. Okay. I I wasn't even going to make that a key breakdown, but it, we have to. Um, Mario Cristobal, <laughs> like, where do you even begin? I, I just I don't understand. Have you seen like the video? So, of laying it out, of course, Cristobal didn't call or didn't kneel the ball at the end of the game, and they ended up losing kind of miraculously, but. Did you see that there's like a video showing of like the sideline, like one of the assistants basically saying like, let's kneel, like let's kneel. And the offensive oh, I coordinator, that. The, it was, um, gosh, I, I should have it. I don't know who it is, but it was, I read it and I forgot about it. And then, um, but the offensive coordinator and Cristobal are standing right there and they're just blatantly ignoring him and they're just running, running. And, and Cristobal has kind of the, the gall to after the game say, we teach, we teach two hands on the ball and all that. Like he ended yeah. up ultimately after a couple of days, like fessing up, like we should have, we should have kneeled. Like, of course, obviously like, you didn't in the, in the moment, he didn't take the initial blame. And it was just like, you, you, you still don't get it, dude. Do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just we, crazy. We had lunch with the, you know, with our families on Sunday and, and Trey, Trey brought it up. He brought up the, how did you see, you know, Mario Cristobal or whatever. And, and Trey's wife, Allie, was like, he's been talking about this for like 36 <laughs> hours straight. <laughs> I was so animated. I just, I, I, it's just impossible to believe that it, that happened. It's the worst way you could lose. We, we talked about that. It's, it's the worst way you could lose because you had it. You had it won. You, exactly. And like, you got, they're, they're, that, they're 4 0 at the time. That was an ACC game. Like, it was yeah, big. It's, it's not like if you're like two and two, I mean, it's never a good thing. It's never yeah. good. But if you're two and two and you're trying to do something for your team, what? A, I don't know, but not good, especially when like he was, his, his seat wasn't hot, but it was like you had to have a big season this year. You just yeah. cost yourself a game. He did. It's and crazy. separately, one thing that, I mean, he deserves all the criticism, of course, but one thing that has been kind of annoying the last couple of days on Twitter and just hearing on other podcasts and stuff is everyone saying, he did this exact thing in 2018. Oh, he did this yeah. against Stanford. Uh, against Stanford. And so I was like, man, I would have thought I would have remembered that more clearly if he did this exact thing. And so I went and looked back at that game, and he did not do this exact thing against Stanford. He made the right decision in that in that game. In that game, it was um, it, it was like second and two, and Stanford had a time. Long story short. If he would have knelt, they would have had to punt it with like 15 seconds left or something. Yeah, which you don't do. You all you you have second and two. You run it, and then if you get the first down, then you can knee and you win. But so anyway, that was kind of annoying because that was a decision that was 100 percent right that everyone makes, and somehow he got. It's, they're saying he's done it twice, just once, but still very bad. Yeah, no, that was uh, pretty incredible. Didn't think he'd talk. And I mean, the other thing about that though is the game itself, like wasn't a great sign that they were only going to beat georgia tech by three at the no you know, but it wasn't they i think they they lost the turnover battle they did they had like at, five turnovers or something but something crazy but so not good, crazy though. um anyway well you can go you can go with what you're you were intending to, t- to discuss i guess oh well uh i'll just quickly touch on uh georgia that was one of the ranked matchups they beat they whipped kentucky and it, it the reason i 
my takeaway with Georgia, because it was their first ranked opponent and they just, they chose violence because they'd kind of slept walk through the first half. Their schedule was obviously pretty light. Um, but you know, like Carson Beck, I hadn't really looked at his stats. He's actually, he's actually been pretty solid. And this he's game, playing well. he, this game, he broke out 80% completions, four touchdowns, um, against what we all kind of think was a, a pretty good Kentucky defense. So at the moment, my takeaway is I, I have a lot less doubts about Beck and Georgia, you know, than I did earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, another crazy game we had was OU Texas as usual. And just, it started out wild. The first four possessions, there were, <laughs> you know, two Quinn Ewers interceptions. There was, there was a, a punt block touchdown, a fake punt, just crazy. And, and it was back and forth from there. And in the end, Texas hits a field goal to, to take a three point lead. You know, you could argue a little conservative that on third that. down. Yeah. Third down. They kind of just tried to get into closer field goal range rather than try and get the first down and really, you know, get closer to cementing a win. But, um, and then, and then on the next possession, of course, OU's last possession minute left. It seems like defenses always play way too soft at the beginning of those possessions. Like all Oklahoma needs is a field goal to, to get right. into it's overtime. Not a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could potentially see playing softer. Yeah. If they needed to get a touchdown, but a field goal would really help them. And anyway, got quickly got into field goal range and eventually, uh, Dylan Gabriel threw a touchdown pass. So yeah, takeaway is OU is legit. They're of course, uh, squarely in the in the playoff hunt here. Dylan Gabriel has put himself in the Heisman conversation. He's having a great year, and I'm I'm hoping we see uh, a rematch of of this in the Big yeah, Twelve. Yeah, seems like it will. They seem they're the clearly the two best teams in the Big Twelve, um, and of course OU got this win here. But you know, I, I t- if they played again on a neutral field. You know, of course, barring some changes, Texas would probably be favored again. They did lose the turnover yeah. battle three zero, and still, yeah, still and they had the like w, they, they got stuffed by an inch at the goal line. Like yeah, if that goes yeah, in, yeah. it could be different. And so, but you know, Ryan's not here. But a little insight into the Bros text chain. I don't think anyone hates the prevent defense more than Ryan. Uh, we all we all kind of do in that situation. But Ryan was yeah. Ryan was livid in the in our text thread. <laughs> he was. He was. Uh, all right, moving on. So I got to bow down to Jeff Brom and Louisville. Uh, yeah. You know, I know, I know Scott Satterfield didn't leave the cupboard bare, but, and they, they obviously haven't had the toughest schedule, but they're now six and oh, they knocked off a top 10 Notre Dame team in prime time. Like, and, and what was kind of different about this is it, it wasn't so much Brom's offense. Their, their defense was impressive. They forced five Notre Dame turnovers, three interceptions from Hartman, who hadn't thrown one all year. Um, you know, I guess my obviously my takeaway is Brom is great. He 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 knows how to game plan pretty much anybody. Uh, but from an Irish perspective, they're just I guess for them the way I'm looking at it is they're just in this brutal stretch of games uh, where they have to, they've got four ranked teams in four weeks before they get to the later part of the season so it's just it's just a tough part right now i don't i don't think they're bad obviously no. it's just they're solid tough they're stretch just, yeah and that 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 ohio state game came down to the, literally the very last oh. play that goes the other way and you're still feeling you know pretty good about this team just uh even after a, a loss at louisville but um all right well let's go to their their opponent this upcoming week usc and my takeaway from last weekend: USC is now, I think, the the pretty clear third favorite 
in the Pac-12. Because um, if, if Washington and Oregon played USC on a neutral field, well, especially the two of them combined. Wow. That be, would be tough. Yikes. But either one of them individually, I think, would be uh, a little bit of a favorite against USC because <laughs> USC struggled again uh, for the third straight week against a lesser opponent. First, it was Arizona State, then Colorado, now Arizona. And USC got off to a really bad start. They were down 17 nothing. They end up coming back. And ultimately, I was able to breathe easy because USC, very end of the game, tie game, they have the ball, you know. Oh, my gosh. And we're good. We're good. Just yeah, get in there. They, they and, overcame uh, it all. And, and kick a basically an extra point to win. No, they, they – well, first Caleb fumbles on a kind of a read option or whatever it was and luckily recovered it. Then we – kick the field goal but no we don't kick the field goal because it's a bad snap and Unreal. Oh, just terrible so we go to overtime and thankfully jed fish i coaches keep oh. doing this but he had a chance in, in overtime he, he they scored well for usc scored a touchdown then arizona in one play scores a touchdown go for two for the win jed fish come on yeah. you're a three touchdown underdog usc has a bad defense your offense is playing well go for the win nope he doesn't Kicks the extra yep. point. Eventually, in triple overtime, USC runs that crazy play awesome. where half the offensive line moves to the left and snap it to Caleb. It all breaks down, and he makes a guy miss. Just sneaks in the pylon. So anyway, USC got the W. But um, I, you know, it's I think the story. Of course, if you're listening to any podcasts or or um, watch ESPN is, is USC's defense. It's just, you know, how it's bad again. And that is true. Uh, it is bad again. But to me, that's not even the story because it, that's been a given. That's been a given right now. But the offense in this game, for much of the game, struggled. The offensive yeah. line was getting overwhelmed by Arizona. Caleb, it was just kind of Caleb had to just make stuff happen. And in the beginning of the game, he wasn't able to. But obviously, eventually he did. But anyway, that's just I'm worried about that going into finally USC playing a really good defense next week in Notre Dame. How's how's USC's offense going to um, perform? Because we know the defense probably won't perform too well. Yeah. It was, either way, that game was super entertaining. One of those Pac-12 after after dark that we're gonna we're gonna miss. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll finish my my takeaways with Bama Texas A and M, and I, I just think that you know. Bama's demise was was overblown uh, a couple weeks ago, and like the Tide defense really got after it here. Uh, they had five sacks, didn't let the Aggies' offense get into really any rhythm. Uh, and Milrow, like it's not always pretty, but three hundred and twenty-one yards, three touchdowns against a really good Aggie defense on the road, tough environment, College Station. Um, so I come away from this game. Th- this is going to sound ludicrous, but I'm going to say that. I think Alabama can win the SEC. Now, the reason I say it sounds ludicrous because two weeks ago, not no one was really saying that they you know barely beaten South Florida after they got whipped by Texas earlier. So they've 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 turned the tide. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, my final takeaway is that uh, Cam Ward's Heisman campaign probably came to an end for for Wazoo. Wazoo lost twenty five seventeen at UCLA. Both he and Dante Moore on the other side struggled, and and as, as for UCLA, like it's it's very weird when a team just flips because right now their offense isn't very good, but their defense is incredible. Like they're right now third in ESPN's defensive efficiency metric behind only wow. Michigan and Penn State. Um, 
so their new defensive coordinator, DeAnton Lynn, I would assume is he's got to be one of the front runners for the Broyles if if UCLA even comes close to keeping it up the way they have. Wow. All right, let's uh, let's move on to week seven, and we will just start out with the biggest game of the weekend. I love this rivalry, and this might be the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest game these two have played in. Uh, Oregon at Washington. Uh, Washington is favored three. Yeah, yeah, and the buildup to this game is is great, you know, because both teams they had a bye last week. Well, game day is going to be there first. Both teams had a bye last week. They hate each other. Uh, you got Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Uh, they've been extremely efficient, put up Heisman caliber numbers. They're, they're, the teams are first and second in yards per game, second and third in points per game. Like you can go on and on. The other thing on for you know as far as who they've played, neither has played a top twenty-five team, so not a whole lot to you know truly go on to to handicap. Uh, so, uh, you know, they're almost like looking in the mirror at each other. But I do think when I'm looking at this game, I think Oregon's defense is a, a touch better and and more efficient. So I'm going to lean with them here. Uh, I'll take those three points, even though it's on the road. Tough, tough Husky Stadium. Uh, just because the last couple weeks, if I did have to point something out negative on Washington, is they've given up some points and yards. They, uh, 500 to, to over over 500 yards to Cal's offense a couple weeks ago. Now I know some of these yards and points are garbage time because they get way up, but still a little bit of a concern. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm taking the points as well. Um, just, I mean, you said two similar teams, the, the way they, the way they've fared so far this season, but I do agree. I think Oregon's defense is, is better. And offensively, I wouldn't say Oregon's offense is better, but maybe more balanced um, with, with mm. their offensive line and the way they run the ball. So I just prefer Oregon as a team. I'm, I know it's on the road, like you say, tough environment, the loudest stadium in the country. But Bo Nix and that defense with three points, I'm, I'm going to make that my lock of the week. Nix versus Penn Nix. And with Nix, I just noticed yes, that. Yes, exactly. Huh. All right, moving on to Texas A&M at Tennessee. The Vols are given three. And the number, to me, just off first blush, kind of sounded a, a little light. So I was going to lean with the Aggies just because of that. But but I'm going with the Vols. Um, A&M actually has a seven-game road losing streak. Uh, and the Vols, they're fresh off a bye. Uh, the Aggies obviously just had that physical game where I think they pretty much put chips all in against Alabama last week. And and so now I'm I'm getting to the point with the Aggies like I want to know where their their mindset and their psyche is like are they starting to think about do we need to play for Jimbo's job we've lost a couple games you know what's I don't know the sentiment there but uh, you know the good thing for them is they get a little bit of a reprieve they're not going against a Bama defense Tennessee's defense well it's improved it's not it's not the tides um, but I think the the time off has given Heupel, uh time to scheme against this defense with Joe Milton. Uh, I think they're going to have a strong showing, and I just think across the board we'll, we'll see a strong showing for the Vols at, at in Neyland Stadium. So I'm actually going to make the Vols my lock of the week. All right, next up we got uh, a game which is sure to have some fireworks: Iowa at Wisconsin. Badgers favored nine and a half, and nine and a half points is just a lot of points in a, in an Iowa game, uh, especially with a, a game with a total of 34 and a half <laughs> and Wisconsin's offense, you know, they haven't hit their stride. So ever Mordecai's not putting up good numbers. Um, so I, I got to take, take the points with, with Iowa's defense. Don't feel great about, um, 
you know, Deacon Hill and the, the Iowa offense having to bet on them, which is why I would not be betting my own money on this. But if I had to pick, I'll take Iowa. I would have bet a lot of money that Tanner Mordecai would have more than three touchdowns at this point in the season. That's pretty I surprising. Agree. The running yeah. game's been, they, they, they've held their share with scoring, but, but that's crazy to me. Okay. Uh, Louisville is favored seven and a half at Pitt. I'm going to call this a letdown spot for Louisville. Louisville, I'm taking Pitt. They've been pitiful, all pun intended. Uh, you know, they're one and four with their lone win at, uh, against Wofford. Um, and you know, of course, Louisville, we touched on it. They're undefeated, just beat Notre Dame, uh, Pitt. They're going with a new quarterback, the Penn state transfer Christian Veyer, as he wants it pronounced. Um, and you know, I guess Dracovic has been working out at tight end. They're trying to crazy find a new spot for like he he a couple years ago he was like an nfl prospect at quarterback yeah and now he's got to find a new position just changes fast um you know i'm not oozing with confidence with with pitt but uh, and their offense has been dreadful but just hoping that the bye week and the new quarterback really kind of rejuvenates them and hopefully they're fresh so it's just kind of a situational pick for me to take pitt yeah i i like that pick uh okay next one usc at Notre Dame, finally USC gets a tough opponent here. Uh, Irish are favored two and a half. Very tough game to me. Um, like we were talking about, this is Notre Dame's their fourth straight primetime game against the top 25 team. And I think last week, I think the bottom just kind of seemed to fall out at Louisville. Maybe they were gassed. Uh, but I'm going to give them a chance here. I'm going to take them at home. I think they can rebound. You know, last week they had five turnovers. Uh, I don't foresee that happening again, mainly because I I don't think SC's defense is is capable of you know generating that many turnovers. And I could just I can I think their game plan is going to be to run the ball. I can see Estime running for some big chunks, maybe Hartman having some production because SC's defense they've given up 500 yards the last couple games against worse opponents, maybe better offenses. But that being said, you, you just can't. I will say you can't discount. Uh, Caleb Williams. I mean, he's a magician, so fun to watch, but I'm just going to trust the better D at home in a bounce back game. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I can't pick USC after three straight, three straight games struggling against, like I said, lesser opponents. It's just at some point you got to prove it to me that, that you're, you're better than that. Um, and so now they're, they're on the road here. I, I know Notre Dame's offense has has struggled lately, but they've been going up against not yeah. only good teams, but good defenses. Like Ohio State's got a very good defense this year. Duke has a good defense. So does Louisville. So um, now they're up against a mediocre USC defense. This game, I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I, I'm not going to make it my lock. Yeah, I'm picking Notre Dame. I'm not going to make it my lock because I just don't know what to expect from USC in this one, but a blowout would not surprise me. Like a Notre Dame you know, three touchdown win would not shock me at all. But then there's the, I mean, if you're an SC optimist, I think you got to look at like, yeah, the last few weeks has been a struggle, but they've kind of known like, okay, we're better than that team. They're just lining up and going, maybe this one, it's like a rejuvenated energy. Like, Hey, maybe this ain't no cupcake. Like we're going to, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I, should get I, their I, best I, I hope that's the case, but it's, you'd think after two, you know, Arizona state should have been a wake up call, then Colorado. And then Arizona. It's I like, get it. It's you can't you almost lost so I don't know but yeah gotta be we'll I was see. Just glass half full guy for SC but yeah then he will fail will fail to DJ there did yeah, you see that I did that's pretty funny 
All right. Uh, moving on back to the ACC, Miami at North Carolina. The Tar Heels are favored three and a half. Yeah, so last week my lock was uh, picking against <laughs> North Carolina. I took Syracuse, and it's just, oh, man, there's nothing worse than when a lock just is just not even close. It's, you just I like the Syracuse, though, too. I, I Yeah, yeah, but uh, that one didn't work out. It was really more of a bet on Syracuse than against North Carolina. Uh, and this week, though, again, I'm, I'm going against Carolina. Again, not really a bet against them, more, more a bet on Miami because I think they're just they're playing just as well as as North Carolina this year that lost last week against Georgia Tech again largely uh turnover fueled and, and should have been a win anyway of course if uh Mario Cristobal wasn't a, a big dummy but um <laughs> yeah this one just seems closer to a toss-up to me than you know I'm, I'm gonna take four or three and a half points yeah I'll go the other way I'm gonna take the Tar Heels I've kind of zigged and zagged on North Carolina this year liked them didn't like them now I'm kind of back I think um I was just really impressed against Syracuse. I mean, they put up 650 yards or almost on that defense. And it was Drake May's best game, the defense's best game. Maybe the the Tez Walker news kind of rejuvenated them. I, I don't know what it was, but um, and I just I want to know the the psyche of those Canes players before I'm backing them. Do they trust right. the coach? Uh let's see. Last game I'm gonna go through here was UCLA at oregon state beavers favored three and a half and dante moore's first pac-12 road test was at utah and Mm. they put up i think seven points in that game he was 15 to 35 he took seven sacks had two turnovers i know oregon state's defense is is not as good as utah but still i'm gonna let dante moore prove it to me on the road in a tough environment before i pick him and also Oregon State at home. That's they're, they're tough to beat. They're fourteen and one in their last fifteen games, uh, dating back two and a half seasons. And their only loss was last year by three points against USC, which was you know took kind of a miraculous game winning drive by Caleb Williams. So um, I feel pretty good about Oregon State winning this one. Uh, but let's uh, close out this thing with a questionable finish. Uh, so this one comes from one of our patrons, Andrew. Thank you for this question. He said, if there was a new commercial-free college football streaming service with three tiers, one with all of a single team's games, uh, a second with all of the games for a conference, and a third with all of the games in the Power Five, how much would you be willing to pay? How much would you charge per tier? So for commercial-free football. Yeah. Oh, I mean, first of all, for me, I would be taking that third tier with all the games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I I compared this kind of the market of NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah, that's was what kind I did. of it's kind of in the range of depending on when you got it. It was anywhere from three hundred to about five hundred bucks, like depending on the timing. So I'd pay three hundred dollars plus for that that third tier, um, and then I would maybe make for that second tier where you get a whole conference. I'd say two hundred, and then one team's game a hundred. Sounds pretty good to me. And I think we're living in in a world where. <laughs> The, the no commercials it's not like we'd just be sitting there waiting and the players are not playing it's just a, a magical world where if you yeah. pay for it the players just keep playing and they don't stop <laughs> but i like that yeah okay uh next one what would be a crazier story this weekend mario cristobal again runs the ball instead of kneeling and loses the game the same way or penn state loses at home to umass as a 41 and a half point favorite 
Okay. There is a more chance. unlikely. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a chance that UMass can beat Penn State. Yeah. And it seems like there should be no chance Cristobal would do that again. But maybe he's stubborn. Maybe he just wants to double down and prove everyone wrong. So I'll say UMass. Okay. Or I think else, that yeah. that would be cr- I mean, it's these are both insane. But I think the bigger meltdown would, would be caused if Mario Cristobal <laughs> did it again. Because it's just like, how is that possible? It has to be the exact same. So it has to be under 40 seconds. You know, it can't yeah. be... If there's yeah, like, if like it's first involved. down and you're having to do some math, you know, like, okay, but yeah, yeah, both pretty crazy. Um, okay, let's pick our upset specials. We got to pick seven plus point underdogs to win outright. And I liked your, your, what your pit discussion earlier. Uh, I'm taking, yeah. what did I say it wrong? No, no, no. Sorry. I was going to say, yeah, go ahead and lead us off. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Pit is seven and a half point dog. They're, like you said, switching away from Phil Dracovic. Maybe that gives them a little bit of a boost. And yeah, it's just the spot for Louisville. Just this feels, they're kind of a, they're six, what, six and oh, but they're really not that good. It kind of feels like a little bit of a comeback to earth game for them. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, we're going to, we're going to double up this week, actually. No, right. no, Ryan, we're changing the rules. I'm, I'm going with Pitt in this situation. I like it. All right. Well, thank you for checking out this episode of, the college football bros um as always if you want um video versions of these episodes you can subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash college football bros that also gets you access to our discord server so we would appreciate that but either way thank you for listening and we'll see you next time